Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Uh, I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on and, you know, doing the things that you guys do so, so well. And that is listening with the open heart and a quiet mind. You are the most amazing listening audience on the planet. And every day I get blessed with being able to connect with you uh, on one of the networks that I'm on, but mostly let's just call it that conscious connection we have. And I want to thank you guys for supporting us since 2003. Um, as a matter of fact, Seth and I were just chatting a little bit before the show. I'm actually called a pioneer in this genre, and I never thought ever that I would be a pioneer in anything. Born in the Bronx, kind of worked my way through what most people would call the cement jungle to find myself doing a show on what is known as positive talk radio, spirituality, transformation, you name it. But like my guest today, this has not been without exploration. This has not been without, what shall we say, a bit of pain here and there. This has not been without discovery. And this has certainly not been without a mind that just won't quit. You know, I want to start off about my guest tonight and just tell you a little bit. Jonas Elrod's joining me here today. You know, we get to put these bios together about ourselves and about our journeys. And, and of course, you know, in order to be present on radio so you get a sense of who he is, you know, this is a guy, like many, many people, thought they were born into this world to live an ordinary life. And yet, along the way, had some of the most extraordinary, extraordinary situations and circumstances. But, you know, after watching his film, and I want to tell you guys all about it, after watching the film Wake Up, what I was really struck by about Jonas and his journey was he never quit living in the question, never quit living in the awe. This film, Wake Up, as so many of you hear those words, you know at some level what that means for you. Whether you've been on a vision quest like, you know, he and I have been, whether you've been at the very pinnacle of, of struggle and pain, or like my very favorite author, Manly P. Hall, has said that every one of us, every one of us that comes into this world that if we are not part of sorrow, suffering, and loneliness, we're not building great character. And if you've watched this film, and honestly, if you haven't watched it, when you do, 
you're going to see that the character of this young man has developed because of the circumstances, the journey he's been on, and his willingness and ability to look sorrow, suffering, and loneliness straight in the eye and say, I know there's more than this. Let me introduce all of you to Jonas Elrod, amazing individual who is amazing because he has said yes to the journey. Jonas, thank you so much for joining us here today. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Oh, thank you very much. <clears throat> thank you very much, Dr. Pat, for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, it's so great having you on the show. Now, I, I'm sure you've done a gazillion interviews. And, you know, people have asked you all sorts of questions about your journey. And certainly there's information that we have. But I want to ask you a question about your life. You know, given everything that you've done and all the things that you've experienced, what are some of the challenges and obstacles that you've had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? Well, I think that the challenges I have, uh, apart from the kind of metaphysical roller coaster ride of wake up, have, <laughs> have been very similar to everyone's challenges. Um, how to stay present in this world, how to stay awake, um, how to deal with pain and sorrow, death, rejection, abandonment, all these different things. And that was the big thing that, you know, aside from the kind of metaphysical paranormal aspect of wake up, or I was very blessed to speak with many people who travel this path and, um, and in a certain destination and imparted words of wisdom to me about uh, really doing the internal work. But I think we're all kind of plagued with all the similar problems, and I think it's just the way that we uh, work through them that is the difference. You know, it's really interesting. There was a moment in the film that I was watching where, um, and I think it was early on in the film, where you were you were asking the question. You you, you kept asking, you know, I, I'm listening for the voice. I'm listening for you to tell me what to do. I, I'm listening, but I don't hear you. And I was really struck by that because while you're asking those questions, here you are filming this film as if, as if guided by something. You know, what did guide you to create this film to tell your story? Well, um, when this first opened up, um, I was told to do this. I was told to expose what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I guess it can be debated on what that it was. I mean, uh, I took it as spirit. And uh, when I finally said yes, things just started falling into place. That would, didn't mm-hmm. mean there were, uh, were obstacles to overcome because... Really what me and my uh, co-director, Chloe Crespi, and Steve Utensky were trying to do was really answer the big questions because I was at a real crossroads because my earlier paradigms had shattered. So the things that I thought life was about or the afterlife or the meaning of life, all that crumbled quickly when I was exposed to these different realities that just came overnight. So... um Sometimes I would yell at the sky or, or be really angry about it, but if I could just quiet my mind, the answer would always present itself, or it would present itself to to my team, and we just kept moving what felt right. You know what? When when I when I get to 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 look at this and step back for a little bit and just kind of you know take that invitation that you gave all of us, you really did invite us into your life, into a journey, so that perhaps somewhere along the way we could get a light bulb that goes on in our own consciousness. In, you know what was the one thing, if there was one thing, uh, at this point in time in your journey that you could point to as a turning point. 
Well, that, that's a great question. I mean, in, in the film, you know, when I had this phenomenon happening, I did what most rational, sane people would do. And so I had a psychological evaluation. I had my brain checked, MRI. And when all those came back, it was fine. I started looking into the spiritual, mystical side of it, and even uh, the scientific side of it, uh, that, which to our uh, pleasant surprise, we're kind of saying the same things back and forth. But I think it wasn't until I disconnected from what everyone, what everyone else was saying and went inside internally is when you know truth started coming out and I was told different things that I needed to know. But it wasn't until that moment where I could do it myself is you know I think when the biggest shift happened in the film. But, you know, I had a lot of help to get to that point, um, if, if that makes sense. But, I, you know, obviously I was struggling and looking for answers and very angry and, you know, mm-hmm. depressed about it and just stumbling all over the place. Not to mention I'm documenting this. You know, I'm fully conscious that I'm making a film, but this was also my real life. This would have happened uh, either way. I just happened to have a camera on it at the time. Well, you know, you know, it's really interesting uh, about this, and let's talk about this for a minute. You know, somebody said to me, uh, 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 kind of jokingly, Jonas, about the year 2003. Now, many of us in 2003, kind of like you, sort of had our worlds turned upside down or actually right side up in a lot of ways. You know, a lot of information. But very few people get to talk about the kind of uh, opening, awakening that you've had Let's just tell our listeners a little bit about what coming out looked like for you. And I say that because we're starting to see more and more people come out about what their experience from a consciousness point of view. Absolutely. I mean, that was the thing that Chloe and I found so refreshing is we knew on a certain level that other people were having these experiences. By no means that I think it was just me. Uh, And if you want to call them, average people, whatever that really means, but these spontaneous awakenings were popping up all over the place. Um, and so I felt a lot of strength when I started to see and hear this, when we would tour the film, you know, I would say at least a third of the audience that had some experience led them to that place. Um, and I see it really gets a lot of people on a path of searching and start cleaning up their own stuff, which I was delighted with. Um, but, you know, I, I made the joke in the film when I went to go tell my parents uh, that I was having these experiences. I likened it to being a homosexual. Right. All right. I heard closet. that. And that was, you know, I was very conscious of what I was saying because a lot of people have these and they feel like a freak or they feel like they're crazy or they feel like they have to isolate because people won't understand. And we're hoping with the film, on one level, it will give permission to people to stand in that truth and accept it and not be afraid of it. But I think that's one of the many facets the film deals with. But uh, just on that level, the response we have have received has been overwhelming about people thanking us that now I can now I feel liberated and free to talk about this. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you deserve a, a giant thank you for a lot of people um, because what you did, you know, Jonas, really from my point of view, is you really stood up and stood tall. You may not have felt like that along the way because this was an, a painful journey, obviously, from the film. But you really stood tall for a lot of people, especially a lot of the children that are coming into this world right now and are not moving out of that infancy stage where they're continuing to see things that other people don't see. You know, what is your message for the youth right now? Um, the, you know, all of the names we've given them, crystal children, you name it, so forth and so on. You know, what is the sense that you have for them? 
Well, I, I have two beliefs, and I'll preface it by just saying beliefs because I mm-hmm. don't know for a fact. But, I mean, obviously it's going to be the children that inherit the messes that we're making. And when you see babies being born, it, it's different now. They're holding their neck up. They're they're following you with their eyes. I mean, they're definitely definitely something special, you know. Um, and you, you can see their energy, and they, they remember and I agree with you. I think a lot of children are retaining that and they're not pushing that down the unconscious, um, which to me it makes me very optimistic about the future. And also uh, women. I, I feel like the women are going to be the ones that can really kind of take the hold on this and help bring it up. And so the idea that there's more and more groups and more and more people standing up and, and talking about this and looking for this makes me very optimistic that we'll things will change and there will be a critical mass because – I don't think it's going to come out of uh, government. I certainly don't think it's going to come out of religion. I think it's going to be people tapping into their internal truth and standing that's going to change everything. So I'm thrilled on that level. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, we interviewed the scientist Dean Radin, and he talked about meditation. So when meditation came over here, people didn't know what to think about it. They thought it was heathen culture. It was outside the bubble, as he would say, saying it was still taboo. You know, now you can turn on a television commercial and see some celebrity meditating as they're selling a product to you. So you see that that's inside the bubble now, no longer taboo. I'm hoping that we'll get to a place where these kind of experiences aren't anything to be scared, embarrassed, isolated around. It'll just be more commonplace. Isn't it interesting? There was a lot of dialogue, Jonas, about you know the the day and eight, the day, when the day comes where science meets spirituality, and isn't in fact you know some of the aspects of what you presented in the film, you know, really a, a, a really a testimony to that. I mean, you know, what I'm what I'm talking about is your experience and photographing the energy and the heat waves and so forth. And the first time you saw those in print, you were shocked, from what I could tell from the film. Oh, yeah, I was completely shot because yeah. even if there was 1% in my mind unconsciously that thought maybe I'm not or maybe this isn't real, the photos to me, without a shadow of a doubt, showed me something else. And so it, it was shocking, but, you know, it, it helped bring peace in a different way because I was absolutely sure. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people are open to that. I think the idea that I'm a white guy from the suburbs and, and talk about these things for some people it's hard. I mean, it's shocking because just culturally, you know, how we are in America, if I was a brown guy from India talking about this or a Native American, it doesn't seem to be such a big deal. But what I like about that is it's showing it's not, a inclusive, it's not an exclusive club. You know, this could happen to anybody. Um, but really, Llewellyn Von Lee, the Sufi mystic we met in Wake Up, really pointed out you're lost with this phenomenon. You're speaking in taglines. And his words were real impetus to go deeper and start to dispense with the phenomena-based stuff and really understand a, a tr- bigger, truer meaning. You know, it's it's interesting that um, you didn't take this journey alone. You know, you got to take this journey with <clears throat> an amazing woman, um, your your girlfriend Mara, and uh, you featured her in the film as well. So we actually, those of us that got to watch the film, and there are you know millions of people watching this film got to experience what this journey was like for both of you. How would you characterize that relationship, your relationship with her, and what she actually stands for in this journey? Well, you know, it was definitely dual streams for me where, you know, I'm the subject of the film, and the biggest challenge for me was to keep exposing everything, warts and all, which was really, really hard. 
And we, when we got into the edit, we realized that Mare is going to be a huge part of an audience. Maybe not the audience right now, but she represents a lot of people that are on the fence. And she was a skeptic. You know, that was her archetype. Um, and it was really amazing through these travels that she had her own awakening, her own internal shift. Hers took about five minutes while eating some pizza with some monks, which blows my mind. But, uh, you know, that I get that that kind of setup was perfect. Um, where I was teaching her about this, and she was also teaching me about this. And also her skepticism, I think, is incredibly healthy. And if you watch Wake Up, you'll even see with me, you know, I have a certain smirk on my face or body language. You can read that energy and see that I'm even skeptical, skeptical about some certain things. But, you know, the I think this journey definitely brought us closer and definitely brought us to a deeper understanding with each other and ourselves. So I feel tremendously blessed. What you know? What is? What do you uh, see as uh, the most difficult questions that you've had to face in taking this film out into the world? I know that you know. Uh, first of all, congratulations on you know what I consider to be the success to bring this to television and so forth uh, through Oprah and company. But you must have been, and you must be asked questions. Um, I, I'm curious about what some of the questions might be that really challenged you. I, I mean, I think you're asking some fairly challenging questions, which is good. <laughs> um, you know, I think it just depends on the audience, and mm-hmm. I don't mind skepticism at all because, you know, as I said before, I don't really know how open I would have been to all this. I mean, as you see in Wake Up, I was I grew up in a very I, a small southern town in Georgia, and there's only one path in that town, so hearing about things like chakras or shamanic practices or meditation or non-local consciousness, this was all Latin to me. So, you know, I was making it up and learning as I went because all this was just a foreign landscape. Um, But I I think it just depends on the audience. Um, And I, I really don't know what the big challenging question is. I mean, sometimes I get asked for a lot of advice, which I'm very resonant to ever do because I'm Mm -hmm. a strong believer that people already know. I mean, people Mm -hmm. already know. And that was kind of proof for me in Wake Up when I was able to go inside and meditate and really cut out this outside world and go in. I knew. But before that, you know, I didn't. I was struggling. I was wrestling around. So that's the part I feel that's very liberating and I'm definitely optimistic about. But. You know, this is to, just listening to you. I was really struck by um, how many difficulties you um, you actually push through. And you're right about you know your persona on film. You know, there were different points in time where you so were so completely open, in my opinion, to the moment that was happening, and then other points in time where it seemed so gut-wrenching. And I want to go to one of those points in time without giving away the entire film. For those of you out there that haven't seen it, we'll let you know how you can get your own copy. But I want to go to the vision quest for a moment. First of all, I live in the state of Washington. And so I have to tell you, as you were getting soaking wet out there, I was wet as well <laughs> for <laughs> you because I know what it's like to do anything in the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really struck by uh, the very brief moments, by the way, and I appreciate that they were a very brief because Vision Quest is very sacred. But there were very brief moments where I saw a level of vulnerability in your face that I don't think I had seen up to that point. And I was so struck by it 
that my eyes started to fill up. And I wanted to ask you about that moment and what that vision quest did for you to to truly crack crack open something inside of you. Well, I I think at that place, and we all have our stuff, right? We all have our things that we do, and sometimes I Mm. work it out with humor or try to be the smart aleck or whatnot, but um, I was really trying to drop all my armor and all my BS so I could really do this good and proper because it was an honor to be on the sacred land. It was an honor to be taken in by Mark Coulson, and he run the ceremony. Uh, that being said, that was one of the more intense things I've ever done, at least, especially volunteering to do this. But that was the one thing that, um, for whatever reason, resonated early on when this opened up, that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I really don't... It's hard for me to explain what I was feeling and going through yeah. with that. And what's interesting is, you know, and I'm no different. I mean, I I believe that everyone's got a little bit of crazy in them. So for the first day out in the vision quest, I'm thinking of everything, things I haven't thought of in 30 years. It's all kind of bleeding out of my mind so I can empty it. And it really let me know that we're we're acting like this, running like this normally 24 hours a day, which is clear with thoughts. And it was nice to start filtering that out. And I think when you can start taking all these crazy thoughts out of your head or worries or stresses or angry about the past, scared of the future, that that's when you can really get centered and really start to tap into truth. And uh, for me, it was, you know, a real life changer. Mm. But, I, you know, you, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't uh-huh. – it would make me nervous to do it again. It was definitely a very intense experience but also an incredibly rewarding one. So I'm uh, forever grateful that that happened. I love that you said that because I, I felt the same way about my first vision quest and, and what that experience was like. And and I and I have been asked many times to explain that experience. And I like you, um, you can't find the words. Well, you know, we try to find words. I'm sitting here and I'm interviewing you and, and 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 I'm just having a little out of body experience myself because I'm asking you questions so that our listenership you know, the tens of thousands of people are going to hear this show so that they can have a sense. Yet there's a part of me, Jonas, and, 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 and I think you'll get what I'm saying. There's a part of me that knows that I'm asking you questions that are very, very difficult to explain because no one can really have a sense of the depth of some of your experiences. And I, I'm, and I'm just, I'm just in awe by this because Answering these questions about a journey such as yours must be probably challenging in itself to try it, to pinpoint this. It, it really is, and I appreciate you recognizing that. I mean, Abdi Asadi, who was uh, the acupuncturist that uh, took me under his wing in the beginning of Wake Up, and he's had his own experiences, and you know, he's turned to service, and he's a remarkable human being. He said this to me years ago. And I didn't quite understand what he meant, but he said that all words are lies. And I was like, what does that mean? He's like, all this can only point to the truth, but it's not the truth. And so he talks about how it being an indescribable experience or feeling. And so that that was kind of helpful, you know. And I think the best we can do is just to try to fill it. And then mm-hmm. the, the other thing I, I think is really remarkable is um, – the fact I've had several people ask in the audience, well, do I have to go all the way around the world and do all this stuff and hang out with 30 gurus and scientists and all this mm-hmm. to get to this place? Well, absolutely not. Uh, the kind of comedy and the irony in the whole thing is 
if I could have gotten to a place where I could um, really tap in myself or control my thoughts and really deep meditate, you know, I may not even have to leave the living room of my apartment. I mean, because that information is in each and every one of us. That's what's so exciting to me. And everyone else is really just mirroring or reminding me of things I already know but long forgotten. So that that's what's very empowering to me, that we all have access to this. We're all the same thing. We're all one. We're all of God. And I know these are really pie-in-the-sky spiritual platitudes, but you know I do get a, a strong sense and a huge feeling on these things. That, that's absolutely true. Because you know, th- a, a mm-hmm. lot of people can't take off you know, four months of work to go travel around or right. a year or two to have these big sp- spiritual pilgrimages. I mean, but you can, you can do it. You can do it yourself in your living room. Yeah, and, you know, there are some of us uh, that absolutely, uh, for whatever reason, couldn't get it in our living rooms. I mean, I'm kind of like you. I, I had to get myself out in the desert for 10 days with, you know, just water and all sorts of different things because I couldn't get it in my living room. And, you know, it's so interesting that both of us have sort of our roots in, in you know, in the South, right? My my stepmom was from the Deep South as well, very spiritual, very my, the first Southern Baptist uh, service I ever went to uh, scared the life out of me in a lot of ways. Sure. <laughs> you know, so any any inclination I had of seeing angels or ghosts or anything, I, I mean, you get challenged in our society. Do you think, Jonas, that we have come, especially now, with people like you coming out, people like some of the other people in the film, you know, speaking the word, do you think we're we're making it easier for people to step into this area of exploration? Or have we accelerated so quickly that it's challenging for people to try to keep up? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know about the latter. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I would like to think that when I see you making steps, it gives me it helps me to become empowered mm-hmm. to know that you're doing it and I can do it. Um, so for me, that's that's the exciting part of this. Um, and, you know, as they always say, w- with pain and suffering, that often drives us to ask these questions. When things are going great, we're just on autopilot and we're kind of <laughs> locked into our, our brains and our minds and all the craziness and worry that we want to deal with. But when pain and suffering comes, you know, sometimes you're really driven and have to address these questions. So... For whatever reason, I, I've met many, many people that are searching, that are changing their lives, that are really, really trying to tap in and understand. And, and to me, that's just thrilling. Early on when we were making the film, um, I kid my co-director, Chloe, about this, but she didn't know if anyone would be interested. And I was like, my God, I would be interested. This is like such an amazing <laughs> topic. It was the way she was raised. And God bless her, she was raised with a very open family where this wasn't new information. To me, it was mind-blowing, obviously. And so when I see all these people um, coming into the screenings and, and writing us emails and, and all that, it makes me very, very happy that it's not just you, it's not just me, it's just it's not just 20 people down the street, that a lot of people are moving to these truths and they're hungry for it. And I, I think when we get more on board and start really understanding the reason why we're here is when the whole planet will change. Um, and, you know, that's that's what it's all about. It's really interesting. I want to make sure that all of you tuning in um, on the Dr. Pet Show that, you know, I'm here with Jonas Elrod. And, and for many of you are, are wondering, what are they talking about? What does this film wake up? Uh, what I would love to invite all of you to do is take a look at the website. 
Um, we're going to give you more information later on as well. But go to the website, wakeupthefilm.com. Jonas, I have that right. Uh, wakeupthefilm.com. Uh, and check it out. You'll be able to find out information about the film. Also, you'll be able to take a look and look for upcoming screenings, and you can host a screening. And, you know, this is the kind of film that really gets all of us to think. You know, it gets you to think about the times maybe you've seen something in a room, but then you second-guess yourself. Did you really see that shadow? Did you really see that color? And I think, Jonas, what you've given us is an opportunity for us to not, you know, to not second-guess ourselves so much because we really live in a society where you're not supposed to see orbs or colors or those kind of things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's the thing that I was talking to my producer Steve about is I think everyone's mm-hmm. had an experience, uh, some more than others, some bigger than others, but I think everyone's had that moment where the experience just didn't jive where they thought the bigger picture was about. Mm. So, you know, that's, for whatever reason, that seems to be accelerating, right? Yeah, yeah. You have, you have gotten to speak with some of the most incredible people. And I can only imagine what this journey looked like when you started out. Well, um, I feel like it's fairly well documented. I mean, obviously, I was a, I was a wreck. I was a mess. I was yep. uh, terrified. I was scared. My girlfriend thought I was nuts. You know, I'm like, how the hell did I turn this thing off? What does it mean? So all those, you know, I had my hands full in the beginning. But, you know, I felt very fortunate that we met so many amazing experts that had really dedicated their life to this path that really helped me along. And, and the way I see it, hell, if I can get through this and, and come to a place of peace, I'm still searching, I'm still working on my own BS to to clean up, but if I can make headway, then anyone can. And hopefully that'll, that'll be inspiring to some people. You know, I started out talking about a quote from an, an, a, one of my favorite authors, Manly P. Hall, and I want to I want to give you the rest of the quote and ask you about it. You know, one of the things he does go on to say is he goes on to say that suffering, sorrow, loneliness are the great builders of character. He goes on to also talk about that you know we never really become truly great. Um, you know, man never really becomes truly great until his heart is broken. Hmm. Has your heart been broken? Well, sure. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, I would imagine everyone's. I mean, uh, you know, we all have the dubious pleasure of uh, getting to experience death, uh, you know, with everyone around at some point. And so that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that'll certainly will. That'll definitely get you in a place to ask and uh, break your heart. But I, I do believe that brings out true character and really helps define who you really are. That reminds me of a great quote from uh, the Roshi Joan Halifax as she was talking about strength that she looks for challenges, she looks for big challenges, because she wants to make sure she's earning her strength. And to me, that was just off the charts. I was like, wow, that's such a a healthy way to look at it. Because most of us want to run as far away as we possibly can. You know, we don't want pain, we don't want the suffering, we don't want heartbreak, we want to stay in our isolated little boxes. Well, the funny thing about these times is it's really forcing us to step out of that into something greater. I mean, isn't part of this your journey to, you know, to try to see if what you were seeing would actually go away? I mean, you know, the sense I got originally when you started out on this was to find a way to actually debunk what you were seeing and perhaps they would go away. 
and I don't know if I'm correct in that in 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 that assumption, but there there seemed to be a turning point where you did stop running. Well, I mean, I, I guess I realized I could not run it. Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, and it, it's kind of like yeah. Mary and I make jokes about this. It's like, wow, this really sucks. This is incredibly yeah. painful. Okay, well, we can figure out how to work on this and deal with it and heal it up, or we can just run. But, you know, you cannot run anything. So there was probably a point where I was tired of uh, living in the, the the victimhood of it or, or uh, living in the, well, I feel really special because that pendulum came up and I would be, I'm embarrassed about both of it now, but it was a realistic feeling. Um, but I, I felt very blessed to have met some of these great experts that taught me how to ground it, taught me how to meditate, taught me how to control it, or at least uh, not turn it off and on, but definitely tone it down when appropriate. And uh, that was always my big fear. It wasn't, am I going crazy? Is this real? It was, how do I control this? Because, um, Really, I just want to walk across the street and get a pizza for me and Mary to eat. I don't want to really deal with 24 entities right. and like go back and forth. Right. But, you know, but you, you see this at times where people are incredibly uh, was it, empathic and they feel it. You know, I just happen to see it. Um, so, you know, there's definitely challenges, but um, like I said, these experiences got me to where I am today. And for that, I feel incredibly blessed. And at the beginning, when I would call this gift of seeing these spirits and hearing these voices, uh, gift curse, I, I solidly, solely feel that it's been the biggest gift of my life. So, you know, I, and, I'm very yeah. grateful about it. And you mentioned that throughout the film. That, uh, I mean, I, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, you would talk about the gift, and I'm not sure that, that uh, Mara felt the same way. Um, it's interesting. A friend of mine, John Holland, um, he, he, he helps people kind of step into this idea that you actually can see dead people. And I remember attending a half day thing with him, you know, where he had us all open up to the, to the point where we actually were seeing our relatives. And I remember walking up to him about four or five hours later and I said, John, I got to ask you a serious question. I said, here you are. You've taken us to see all these dead people, all our relatives. I said, how do you get rid of them? And I don't know if you know John. He's a pretty funny guy. And he kind of looked at me and he said, how do you get rid of them? You just tell them to go away. Right. <laughs> I chuckled a little bit about that, and then I proceeded to tell them to go away. I'm not so sure that it is that easy, especially when you're as tuned in as you are. I mean, you did have to learn. Is managing the right word? How to that's manage great, your gift. Yeah, that's a great word for it. Um, and, you know, I made jokes in the film, and, you know, I'm learning the sage, and I'm, like, rolling my eyes doing this, but I'm <laughs> seeing it work uh, on most of it. Um, but that was a big challenge of learning boundaries. And you could say in this metaphysical sense, but that's just mirroring, you know, this reality as well. And so I get the correlation pretty, pretty early on and quick, and that's kind of cute how the universe presents it. But, yeah, it's just setting intentions, setting boundaries, uh, learning to, when it's appropriate, have these channels open and when not to. Because, you know, we're, sometimes the problem with the spiritual community, I think, and, you know, and I was very naive going in, is sometimes these things open up for people and they really get carried away or they feel like this phenomenon's a thing. And, like I said, that's what was so impactful when I met Llewellyn Von Lee. He really gave me a nice slap across the face. He's like, yeah. you're only getting a tenth of the picture, buddy. I know you're sitting here being all cute saying these platitudes, but 
basically called BS on it. And so I had to take that home and really think about what he said and realize he was speaking truth. Um, you know, we're, we're gra- we need to be grounded in this realm. <laughs> you know, there's, there's people that can go to these other places and do some amazing things for service, but they always come back and stay grounded. And I think mm-hmm. that's an incredibly important part uh, of the community. And uh, I wanted to ask you, I mean, I know that, you know, when you do a film, we're only getting the snippets of the film. You know, there's almost like, where's the behind? We want to see the behind the scenes because there had to be behind the scenes. What was the most frustrating of the experiences that you had? Was there any that popped out for you where you got to look at yourself and say, oh, come on, Jonas? Yeah, that was every day. And and, and my, (laughs) my team made jokes about this, but, uh, Look, open up these different dimensions and whatnot. Yeah, that was a challenge. Uh, my girlfriend really not sure about this or causing tension with us. Yeah, that was a challenge. But the real challenge was just making the damn movie. I mean, it was very, very, very hard on me. And I, I know it was hard on my uh, my team as well because I got to sit there and look at myself every day um, and study my behavior and watch what I was putting out and how I was acting every day. And exposing yourself on this level was one of the harder things I've ever done. Uh, but I know it was the right thing to do, and uh, we stand behind it because this slowly white, two-dimensional, perfect kind of thing, it's not real. It's, it's complete BS, and we wanted to show the shadow and the light. So really, in a weird way, making the film was my spiritual path. Yes. Because uh, it really gave me a lot of room to look at the mirror, to really start working on ego defects and wounds and, you know, start trying to clean myself up. That's not the romanticized thing that you hear, though. You know, you don't, people often don't really want to talk about the work or do that. I mean, people that are really tapped in and get it do. You know, other people want to just talk about, wow, this uh, crazy science doing this or these wild mystical experiences. That's all good and well and important, but really my big lesson in this was, you know, to clean up. Um and so I had years upon years of looking uh, at video footage of my journey documented and realizing I have issues here, here, and here, and I need to clean this up. Does that make sense? Well, oh, it absolutely makes sense. I mean, you know, it also points to um, what many, many people that have even had, let's just call it a small dose of what your journey was like. It's very relatable because, you know, here you are, you're, you're, you're like all of us. You're like, you know, the young seven-year-old like I was that claimed to have a conversation with Jesus. And the next thing you know, I'm off to Dr. Jacoby for psychoanalysis, right? But, you know, I, I mean, this is what happens in our world where we're not validated for that level of opening that we, we claim to, to, to be having in this life. And I think you, you, the film, everybody involved with this, Amara, all, everyone, has really given us all something to think about. I want to ask you, is this film, do you see this film as a message for people to do something on a more global level? Well, I mean, sure. I mean, that, that, that that's a hope. But mm. I learned in kind of early on, well, not early on, it took me a while, but uh, I learned that, I don't have, I'm not attached, I guess, in a way. I mean, yes, uh-huh. I would love people to see it. I would love everyone on the planet to see it. But I'm not attached to what comes after that. I, I think that 
Well, one, I don't like to be preached to, and I don't like to be told what I need to think or do. Um, and I assume most people don't. Um, and so what we're hoping Wake Up does is just get people to ask questions. And if it can be inspiring, great. If it can uh, make them look at their life a little bit differently, that's wonderful. If it can give them courage to do something, great. But I, I try not to have an attachment on what happens. But I, I think that it's, you know, a very compelling piece, and I think that it does raise a lot of questions. I, I think it does. I think it does what it was designed to do. So we're we're very very happy on that level. Mm. So I we, have you know, a. Try, yeah, I'm go sorry. ahead. And we try to run the whole board with different religious leaders, different spiritual teachers, different scientists. And the thing that I just found remarkable is everyone's saying generally the same thing, just from their own lens. And I think that that's just uh, just wonderful. I have a burning question for you. Oh, sure. Uh, I actually have two of them. You know, the first question is, uh, when you spent the time with Jay-Z Knight, did you get enlightened or did you have to ask for your money back? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, uh, I am a little bit of a I love on. that. I love that part of the film, though, because I've been there myself. Yeah, and, you know, spending time with Jay-Z Knight and at Rotha School of Alignment, you know, some of that pushed buttons for me, um, and some of it was very, very truthful and moving. Um, but that's always the big piece people like to talk about. I mean, Jay-Z's never let anyone into the camp to film, so we felt very honored that she let us come in for the week that we spent, and... My mind was blown the entire way. I mean, it was it was a real trip because I think there's a part of me that goes, okay, this is just some weird anomaly, and maybe 1% of this part of me says it's not real. But when I saw people shooting archery blindfolded and hitting targets and doing these wild breathing exercises and someone would bring out a box and half the audience would know it was in there and that was an exercise I was in, I clearly saw it. I mean, she's definitely on to some amazing stuff. Um but, yeah, it, it definitely brought stuff up for me to look at. So that, that's kind of the part of the movie everyone's, like, laughing at because I'm floundering, I'm running in the mud and tripping all over myself. But, you know, that's, that's real life, you know. It is real life. You know, I was dying, though, to see you stand up and dance. I didn't get to see that. They must have edited that out of the film right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm such a dancing machine, and they had, to, <laughs> they had to take that out of the film. Oh, my gosh. For those of you just tuning in, I want to just tell you all that um, if you don't know Jonas Elrod and you don't know anything about the film Wake Up, I really encourage all of you to go find out. Um, the best way for you to do that is to go to their website uh, and make sure you figure out how you're going to be able to watch this film. There are many, many opportunities. Uh, go to the website, wakeupthefilm.com. Uh, Jonas, I wanted to ask you, what, what are you encouraging people to do at this point? Uh, find out who they are, stand in the truth. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I mean, about I, to, yeah, exactly, all of that. That's, wow, I mean, that's it, like it, a it's big, hard, yeah. It's hard to, I mean, that's like such a hard question because I, you know, I, I've made comments, and I, I haven't seen the film in years, so I don't remember, but really my intent when this opened up was, I'm going to save the damn world. That was my feeling around it. Yeah. And that's honest, but maybe that spiritual immaturity is in the negative at that point. Maybe it's it's just not a very mature idea. But what was so amazing was learning that once you clean up your own act, your own stuff, you uh, dive into these old ego wounds and start cleaning up, things around you start to change. So it, it, it's a really interesting take on things. 
I mean, George Bush was in office when this opened up, and he's talking about these evil people and their evil God and good and evil. And I'm just looking at this guy going, man, if you if you knew what I knew or if you had these experiences, you would realize there's no us against them. But you take a couple steps back, and then you start to realize it's perfect, and you start to realize, well, that is me, and then you start to realize, well, I need to start cleaning up. Unfortunately, that didn't happen overnight, but... Um, as far as encouraging, you know, I, I don't really have an answer for it. I just I hope that this movie can inspire people to start asking questions again. Well, I want to encourage all of you out there to go to the website, wakeupthefilm.com, um, and then, you know, check out the screenings because there are going to be screenings in some place close to you. And if they're not, then, you know, there's a way for you all to figure out how to have one where you are. Um, I want to ask you a question about Mara. Uh, uh, it's Mara, actually. Mara. Uh, and I don't know why I said Mara. That's kind of weird. That's got to oh, be. Oh, it Buddhist. happens all the time. No problem. It's got to be the Buddhist pronunciation. I'm from New York, so it's got to be Mara. Um, I want to ask you a question about her. Sure. If she were to use a metaphor to describe you in this journey, what would that metaphor look like? <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, is this multiple choice? I get a true fault. I mean, I'm not a very smart person, Dr. Pat. So I'm I'm doing the best I can. These are some tough questions, though. I tell you. They didn't warn you about me, did they? They they didn't warn me. A yeah. Metaphor. I'm actually not very smart either. Here's the deal with me. You and I are not very different. Right. Everything I do comes from a place within that I actually have no clue about where these questions come from. So I just want to tell you, I didn't sit down and, and figure out these questions. I just am so connected to you right now. And I just, she came up for me a few seconds ago, and I'm not quite sure why. Well, she's, uh, you know, she, She's all over that film, and, you know, like I said, I could have never done this without her, and um, the skepticism and uh, I think the tension in the romantic relationship really, mm. really uh, says a lot and brings things up. But, um, like I said, I think that we're we're much better people having gone through this experience, and I wouldn't trade it in. And I, I'm also trying to change the subject from the metaphor question. I'm, I should have said <laughs> okay, good job. Verbally or something, or simile, I may have been able to knock something out. But uh, I, I know it was... It was hard for her to see me uh, struggling, and I know that she got frustrated, and I know that there are points where she doesn't want to hear about this being a gift. She wants life to go back as it was, and I totally understand, and I often put myself in her position. It's like, well, what does that look like? Because, like I said, I don't even know how open I would have been. So if it was my mother that came to me, you know, I would have been open to it, but also been thinking, well, Mom, are you, you rocking out with bands now doing acid? What, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Just because it was so foreign to me. So I applaud her and her courage and incredibly grateful that she stuck through it because, like I said, I think that this was a big gift for her as it was me. You know, I have to tell you that what I was really struck by in the film, you know, there wasn't not one moment, even when she was questioning this journey, there wasn't one moment, energetically on film anyway, uh, Jonas, where she didn't seem 150% in your camp. Yeah, and and that's just such a testament to her character. I mean, she may have been skeptical. She may have been angry about this at times. But as far as her love and dedication uh, to our relationship, it, it was certainly impeccable. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know... I don't know a lot of other people that would have been that way. I mean, so that just says a lot of our characters. Some, if it had been someone else, I'm sure they would have just left. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, you're kind of all right, kind of all right to hang out with, but yeah, I can't take this. And really, just push a lot of buttons for her, you know. Um, 
you know, it definitely brought up a lot of stuff for her to look at. So it, it was definitely a, a huge blessing for both of us. What was it like to have Oprah acknowledge the film? Uh, it was very surreal. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I can't really say it was the strangest moment in my life, but um, I thought Oprah was incredible, and we felt very blessed that uh, she took the time to bring us on and interview us. And, you know, she's a very open woman. So before we went in, I was like, well, hell, I don't even know what she believes in. So I, I wasn't sure at all. I just <clears throat> have always had a lot of praise and admiration for her. But uh, she speaks the language, but more importantly, she she walks it. You know, this, is, this isn't like a part-time job for her. And so I look at Oprah as a tremendous teacher for all of us. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> It's just yeah. it's still very surreal to me. Um, but I was I've often, I, I, yeah, I've often uh, envisioned Oprah on a vision quest. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. <laughs> I want to make sure it's in the state of Washington during our rainy season. That would really win her over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, that was, you know, another thing funny about the vision quest. I mean, I felt like the stupid white guy. I mean, I show up with a tent and like, you know, food and a lantern and. <laughs> You know, I didn't have an iPad with me, but it was almost that stupid, and they just kind of, like, stupid white man, you know, so they just kind of threw my ass out there with nothing, and, you know, I got what I needed, so. Yeah, um, and actually, they say they see so many of us white folks show up like that, so <laughs> you're not alone. I wanted to just ask you one last question here, and I want to thank you so much, Jonas, for all that you're doing. Well, thank um, you there so are many much. people exposed to this, and... You know, your journey is incredible. I mean, you are an extraordinary individual, uh, even though you may not seem to be. And I say that for a lot of reasons. Uh, First of all, you're the degree of perseverance and vulnerability that you invite us uh, to join you in is just extraordinary. And so I'm really struck by what you would say to those people out there right now that are listening to this and and are, are kind of at this place where they're not quite sure what to do uh, with the experiences they're having, you know, what would you say to them to help them along their way with their own spiritual awakening? Well, I, I guess it depends on, you know, where someone is, but I think the biggest advice that I got was just to learn to calm your, your mind down and learn to tap in and meditate and really be very conscious of the thoughts that come up and, the guidance can come from there. I mean, that's one thing. It's um, can sometimes be dangerous is when you find some of these gurus or shaman or mystics that, in my take, they're just reminding you of things you already know. And that that's a wonderful, wonderful service. And what you don't want to do is give all your power away to them. Just like, um, you know, Oprah's a good example, you know, or, or any of these people with high power. I mean, they are us. We are them. I mean, it's just one thing. I, I think that when you're a great teacher, you, you realize that, um, that you are just reminding people of that because ultimately everyone already knows the answers. I wish I had a great answer for you, but I can only tell you what worked for me is meeting all these wonderful people and helping me get a smaller piece and a bigger piece of that. But ultimately it has to come in from you. Um, so... <laughs> 
I would suggest meditating and just taking a real journal of the thoughts and feelings going through there. Because when Chloe and I were making this film, we didn't know what the hell we were going to do. We didn't know who to uh-huh. interview. We were so intimidated to even tackle this, uh, not to mention all the fear that I had going through it. But I think listening to that inner voice really guided us and, and got us to where we needed to get. Um, and we all have that inner voice, you know. Uh, absolutely. What are you working on now? What's next for you? Um. Well, I, uh, you know, obviously this stuff made a pretty big impression, so I'm a mm-hmm. filmmaker and I'm working on uh, other films that, for lack of a better word, spiritually based, because uh, I'm very, very passionate about making this kind of information um, accessible to people. I just I, feel like that's what I'm supposed to do from here on out, and I'm uh, honored to do it. I completely get that. You know, radio shows like this didn't exist in 2003. And if they did, they were few and far between. And for many of us, we've actually, you know, carved out what they, people call us a little niche, you know. They call us all of the right language, right, affinity market and so forth. But as you know, this is a growing, a really burgeoning movement. And that's what your film is, is, isn't it? It's really a movement. Well. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I, I sometimes get self-conscious of it because it's me, but a lot of these truths are coming to a lot of people, and that's the thing that I found so amazing about Oprah is, and, you know, she is who she is, and, and that she's so aligned up with truth and helping and being a service is just really remarkable. But you see this in all walks of life and people all doing their part, and uh, what can I say? It's an exciting time to be alive, but... It- I think that we're so hungry and we're so tired of the BS around this that we want something real. I mean, I'm in New York City, so we have Occupy Wall Street that's happening. And you see people really standing up and just having enough. I mean, um, it, we want to agree that this is all a dream. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people are tired of being in the nightmare part of it and really willing to go the distance to change their lives, which I applaud each and every one of them for doing that because it's not an easy thing, but to me it's the only thing to do. <laughs> Well, I applaud you, and I want to thank you very, very deeply for you, for the team of people, Chloe, the the folks that got behind you to make this happen, because this is transformative, and it is life-changing. And whether you actually get to meet all the people or not, Jonas, you have to know that you are touching some lives in a very, very positive way and are saying some things that many people are hearing in their own minds but are afraid to say. So thank you for so many people. Thank you very much for doing what you did and continue to do. Well, thank, thank you very much, Dr. Pat, and thank you for everything that you're doing. Um, I, I greatly appreciate you having us on, and uh, I really enjoyed our talk. Well, next time, why don't you bring Mara with you? I'd love to, and I'll, I'll work on that metaphor for you. That's good All time. right. <laughs> you, you know, you might want to ask her that question. I mean, who knows what she'd say. Thank you so much, Jonas. Thank hey, you, everybody. Pat. This is Jonas. Jonas Elrod, everybody. Great, great, great film. This is something you guys want to want to absolutely see. Set up a screening and make sure that you're ready to wake up. That's the film. Uh, wakeupthefilm.com is the website for more information. If you've missed any part of this, uh, make sure you go to the drpatshow.com website. Jonas, thank you again. It's great to meet you. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Have a great night. Take care. You bet. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in, turning us on, doing what you do. Um, And if any of you out there are questioning yourselves, whether or not you're seeing things that you don't think you should be seeing, 
hearing things that you don't think you should be hearing. What Jonas has done is he's created an opening for you to honor yourselves where you are, no matter what you're seeing, no matter what you're hearing, no matter what people are telling you. He's actually given all of us an opportunity and a reminder that what we are experiencing is real. And the love we share for ourselves and the world is profound. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show. Oh, <laughs> 